to the weekly message from Angel of Joy Lutheran Church, an ELCA congregation located in Lufkin, Texas. Pastor Paul Guy and the family of Angel of Joy invite you to join us for worship at 10.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you should find yourself in our neighborhood, please enjoy this message and visit our website at angelofjoy.org. Take your Evangelical Lutheran worship, and if you would turn to page 301. As you're looking, what you'll find here is a portion of Psalm 95. It's used as a psalm that invites us to worship. It's part of the morning prayer service. And so it is a praise of God and God's saving work and that God has created us and called us to be his own flock, his own people. And so there is a rejoicing in that. Let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. It's a wonderful, wonderful hymn. It's an invitatory. It invites. We all know that an invitation calls us to participate in something. Something we weren't at before. We've been called to be at and to share in whatever the activity is and to share its joy. But unfortunately, we forget what follows in the next, very next verse that often only gets read in Lent. And it goes like this. Oh, that today you would hear the Lord's voice. Other translations have it. Oh, that today you would listen to his voice. And one translation that I really like is, you will know his power if you listen to his word. Notice the call is to listen. To listen. We listen in order to learn. We listen in order to obtain wisdom. You know, we always seek guidance in all kinds of things. But wisdom is asked for here. Here we've been called to be God's people. And now, Lord, Show us how to be that people. In holy baptism, all of us receive this invitation. We were called to be God's people in Christ and to share that new life in all that it is, but we need to learn how to live it. And that's where the guidance piece comes from. That's where wisdom comes from. And so we seek wisdom on how to live this life as children of God who grow to be holy. In the small catechism, when Luther describes what does it look like to hallow God's name, and granted God's name is holy in itself, but we pray that it we would make it holy, and then says, well, what is that? 
When the word of God is preached clearly and purely among us, and we as God's children live holy lives according to it. So here we are, called. Called, yes, but called and having to learn again and again. Today's lessons continue what was begun with last Sunday's lessons. And it's those uncomfortable chapters of of Amos and the 16th chapter of Luke that talk about money. You know, everyone gets anxious. You don't think the pastor doesn't get anxious talking, preaching about money? They do. Um, But what we're going to look at today is there's a theme that runs through Amos, through 1 Timothy, through... Luke, that does have to do with money or the effects of money. But we're going to look at it from the lens of wisdom. Imagine hearing wisdom as to how I live this holy life according to God's word. Amos. In this particular section from Amos which is written only a few centuries, a few decades before the Assyrian Empire crushed the country. Amos says is talking to those who are comfortable, complacent. What's the problem with being comfortable and complacent? Well, Obviously, the people described here are very comfortable and very complacent, but there's something that happens. Complacency dulls our understanding. Complacency dulls our conscience. Even if they're things that are troublesome, we don't bother. Why? Because we're comfortable. We're content. We're complacent. Difficult stuff for us to hear. No one wants to be told they don't understand or that their consciences are dull. But again, it's a reminder. God teaching his people, attend to your life and how you live. May you, it's urging, live lives that are aware, that are not dulled, that are not dulled. Because the charge against the people in Amos is, and you do nothing about the destruction of the people. Quite an indictment. And then we turn to Timothy. And There is no way that you can avoid talking about money in this section of Timothy. And so this is that passage where the love of money is the root of, of all evils. The love of money is not money itself, but the love of it. Okay, but there's something we gotta get clear here. Right from the very beginning. This is addressed to the Christian people, whomever they may be. It's addressed to us here. 
It doesn't make any difference if the congregation is composed of the poor, the rich, anyone in the middle, the congregation. It speaks of a danger, just like it did in Amos. There's a danger here. We can end up in a bad situation. In Timothy, it talks about people making ruin of their lives, maybe ruin of their spiritual lives, their life in Christ. But it's not directed just to the 1% or the 5% who control, what, 50 plus percent of the nation's wealth. Rather, it's addressed to all of us and the danger of the love of wealth and the striving after it. It's hard to hear. We have, we work, we like promotions, we like raises, we want to advance our career. All these are sorts of things that we do. And yet, here's this caution in the midst of it that says, watch out. You can go astray. You can make ruin of your life. You can make ruin of your spiritual life. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Each reading today warns that we can get ourselves in a bad way, in a bad place, as it, as it were. Um, from last week, you know, from the gospel lesson, we heard about you cannot love both God and wealth. And that, that's really hard to try to figure out. And we think we're smarter than what Jesus tells us. And we think we can do it both. But here we are, imagine, you've been given the kingdom of God. We've been initiated into it in holy baptism. We light the Paschal candle to remind us of this new life that we've been given. And an image that came to mind is, we're told, don't drive and text at the same time. Okay? Now, I've not texted, because I'm not so good at that, but I certainly know what it is to try to drive, even at highway speeds, and try to dial the, the phone, the cell phone, or to adjust the radio dial, or to push the buttons in there if it's pre, pre-selected or what, and what? My eyes are not on the road. And so the image from last week is, you know, here you are, you've been given this, this new life in God and the, sharing the kingdom of God and this other. And so it's, imagine you can see it's like texting and driving. We don't do the thing that we've been given so well if our attention is continually drawn away. The gospel lesson is one famous and well known to us. Here is someone who is obviously very well off. In the culture of the Roman Empire, there were grades of purple and who could wear purple. It was a status thing that you had or you didn't have. And this guy clearly had it. And he ate pretty good every day. And Lazarus is outside the gate. 
It's clear from the rest of the story that the rich man knew about Lazarus and Lazarus knew about the rich man. That's pretty clear. The rich man cannot come and go out of his house without tripping over over Lazarus. Lazarus means nothing to him. Except when they're both dead and one is in the bosom of Abraham a place of peace and contentment of joy and happiness, and the other is described as being in Hades. Now suddenly, the rich man becomes aware, clearly shows he knows who Lazarus is, because he says, Father Abraham, have him dip his finger in water and bring it over to me so that my tongue is cooled. He knew that there was a Lazarus out there all his life that he did not attend to. And so, but the story moves farther. Let us move closer to the end of that story. The rich man wants something special to warn his brothers. Oh, the word of God? I'm supposed to... No, send send Lazarus. Do something special because my brothers are not going to pay any attention. To which Abraham says, you know, they've got Moses and the prophets. Oh, they won't listen to that. No, but if you send him risen from the dead, then they will pay attention. To which Abraham says, you got to be kidding. If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets... They're not going to pay any attention to anybody who's risen from the dead. Now remember who's telling the story. And remember that the one who's telling the story here is the one who's also risen from the dead. And so, here we are again, offered wisdom. You know, we've got Moses, we've got the prophets, We've got the letters of the New Testament. We've got the Gospels. Further wisdom to guide us, to guide us in this new life. Each day, we begin again this new life. Jesus began his ministry by calling us to repent. The very first recorded Words of Jesus are, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, this is, we don't like to hear the word repentance, but think about what it really is. It's all about turning around and heading in the direction you were supposed to go earlier. Anyway. You've been going, we've been going the wrong way. And so we have to be turned around. I mean, it's sort of kind of like having a GPS system that when you, when you, when you miss the turn you're supposed to, it recalculates and then tries to get you back. Well, imagine the Word of God does that for us. It is constantly, constantly saying, listen, listen, Turn back. It's okay to turn around. You know, 
We've learned. We have to learn how to live as children of God in baptism. To live its power. To let it give shape in our life. It's a daily, daily thing that we're called to. So there is no shame in picking up all over again. In doing that. In doing that. None of the wisdom that we heard in the readings today is unique to the New Testament, to the Old Testament. All of the kind of wisdom that has been expressed is wisdom that's known, has been known by human beings for centuries and thousands of years. Timothy is a good example because it just borrows a list of the dangers of wealth and plugs it right in. But what's it do in plugging it right in? It ties, oh, here's another facet of our life that's woven into the fabric of what it means to live as a believer. So, wisdom then is a gift and to be received as a gift. We've been privileged that one translation of the end of verse 7 from Psalm 95. You will know the Lord's power if today you listen to his voice. And that's what we're called to do each day and each time we gather and hear God's word. How, Lord, will you shape us? How, Lord, will you bring us back? Oh, Lord, do this. And it's not... We should never, ever, ever despair of that because we're all beginners every day of our life. There's a quote from Luther that I have not been able to find out where it's from, but I know of the quote. And it just speaks about we begin all over again and we are to be hopeful in that process because God will bring about in each of us what it is that he wants us to be like in Christ. And this is what Luther has to write. This life is not righteousness, but growth in righteousness. It is not health, but healing. Not rest, but exercise. We are not yet what we shall be, but we are growing towards it. The process is not yet finished, but it is going on. This is not the end, but it is the road. And all does not yet gleam in glory, but it is being purified. Sisters and brothers, We have gathered today in hearing God's word to hear holy wisdom to guide us each day in the life that we were invited to share. Invited to share. Remember the Paschal candle. It points to what each of us has been drawn into. We are invited to to holy wisdom 
so that we may live that holy life and be shaped into what God wants to make us to be in Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please provide feedback on the iTunes podcast page and visit our website at angeljoy.org for more information.